0: Since this is New Member Sunday, I want to address this question that I sometimes get from folks new to the congregation. Often it comes up because their family or friends are concerned. They have learned that their loved one are starting to attend a place called the Universalist Society. They are worried about what they have gotten themselves into. These friends and family ask, are you sure this is not a cult? It's a natural question, and it's one that I don't resent. Usually those intentions are good. Because I know, of course, that Unitarian Universalism, our tradition, is small and unfamiliar to most people. It is strange as tradition also in the sense that it doesn't fit in neatly into religious boxes. We have Christians who love Jesus and also pagans who worship the sun. Our openness to different religious experiences can seem new-agey, and our big theological tent can certainly include some eccentricity. We are easily confused with the Unification Church, the infamous Moonies, which is a cult, And to many religious conservatives, cult is simply shorthand for heretical or deviant or it's gonna send you to hell if you're not careful. So by that definition, we probably are one. Now I've experienced a concern about being in a cult personally. Early on when I was dating my wife, her extended family was worried about me. Not for me, but for her. What kind of minister is he? You know what? What do they believe? Who do they welcome? During one conversation that I was mercifully not present for, it was debated whether or not I was indeed a cult leader. I think the conclusion was that I was not, but being perceived as occupying the same category as Jim Jones or Marshall Applewhite, or David Koresh, was a disturbing thought. Now, if this is your first time here at Fourth Universalist, or you missed my earlier earlier exhortation, let me again assure you that the answer to this question is not yes. We are unequivocally, absolutely, without question, not a cult. Now, I hope you will believe me, But I understand that you might need some more evidence for that. After all, in hearing what I would be talking about today, my wife's first response was that talking about why we're not a cult is exactly what a cult would do. (laughs) Stephen Colbert once quipped that, quote, there is an easy way to figure out if you're in a cult. If you're wondering whether you're in a cult, the answer is yes. And finally, perhaps you're wondering, as Shakespeare did in Hamlet, if perhaps he doth protest too much. Now, despite the collective wisdom of my wife, Stephen Colbert, and Shakespeare, I want to prove to you otherwise. I want to dive into exactly what a cult is, how they behave, drawing from the most renowned experts in cults, and I want to show you that we here at Fourth Universalist are exactly the opposite. So let's start by defining what a cult is. Being clear, we are talking about what experts call destructive cults. These are what most people mean when they talk about fringe groups who do and believe scary things. This includes groups like the Unification Church, but also Heaven's Gate, the People's Temple, Scientology, the branch Davidians, and the more recent but closer to home Nexium, which was at Sarah Lawrence College right north of here. Now, many religious traditions, mainstream religious traditions, demonstrate cultish qualities. And cults and cultish behaviors are not limited to religion, they can be political, like the leftist, symbolized liberation army, or even capitalist like mid-level marketing organizations. The grandfather of cultic studies and thought reform is a man named Robert J. Lifton. He got his start studying mind control techniques used against American POWs during the Korean War, where the term brainwashing was first coined. To Lifton, cults exhibit three major qualities. Here they are. One, a shift in worship from general principles to the person of a guru. Two, an active pursuit of thought reform, which is essentially brainwashing, that involves a merger of some sort with the guru and their ideals. And three, extensive exploitation from above, whether the gurus or their leading disciples Exploitation that could be economic, sexual, psychological, onto the idealism of ordinary followers from below. Lifton's initial work around cults and cultic behaviors would inspire other thinkers, including Stephen Hassan, who himself fell victim to a cult. Once free, Hassan devoted himself to the work of deprogramming others. To Hassan, a cult was any group in which mind control is used in destructive ways. He created the BITE model, B-I-T-E, which stands for four methods of control used to determine whether something is a cult or not. Behavioral control, informational control, thought control, and emotional control. And finally, the International Cultic Association defines cult as an ideological organization held together by charismatic relations and demanding total commitment. Within all these definitions, what is perhaps most crucial is what cults do to individuals. It is essential to understand first and foremost that contrary to popular opinion, most people in cults are not unintelligent, emotionally unstable, mentally ill. Cults actually deliberately recruit people who are high functioning and intelligent. They want people who are useful and reflect well on them. What they don't want is people who they perceive as burdensome, difficult to work with, erratic, or high maintenance. People in cults are not somehow less than us, and we mustn't assume that we ourselves are somehow above getting recruited, that we are too smart or too wise to fall in to traps that cults lay. That is because cult recruitment is not actually about persuasion, it is about manipulation. Most people don't at first realize they're being recruited into anything at all. They think they've found just a really good friend, but instead they're being targeted in a systemic way, systematic way, and they're being targeted in ways that are tried and true, techniques, that disrupt a mental and emotional hardwiring they're being recruited in ways that undermine our natural defenses our natural skepticism it worked with the pows in korea and it works today with other cults the cult's goal is to disorient and eventually destroy a person's sense of perspective identity and personhood and then replace it with whatever the cult thinks it should be Hasan calls it unfreeze, change, and refreeze method. We are broken down to our lowest moment, our lowest place, and from that lowest place, we are then built up again in the image of the guru or in the cult. Cults essentially destroy a person's sense of self. It happens slowly, but it is dramatic. This prevents people from thinking on their own, and making independent decisions. They become dependent on the group and the guru for their orientation, their identity, and their reasoning. Now, this sounds scary. It should be. Cults are terrifying. And history is full of extreme examples of where this can lead, whether to the Guinea's jungles of Jonestown, where 918 people either drank poison or were killed for refusing, to the Heaven's Gate suicide in the 90s, or the water poisoning depicted in Netflix' Wild Wild Country a few years ago. But even less dramatic or violent cults are deeply harmful because they deprive people fundamentally of themselves. They steal a person's life, identity, past, and destroy their sense of agency and confidence and trust in their own sense of the world. If they attempt to reassert themselves or question what they are taught, they are met with shame and abuse and threats of ostracization from the only community that they feel like really is there for them. The good news is that in almost all cases, a person's true self, no matter how deeply buried, will eventually rebel against the manipulation. Cultic deprogrammers vouch on this. If given the choice and the chance, a glimpse of a different way, the support that they need, the self, the soul that is buried underneath the cult, will choose freedom and authenticity over the lies and the control mechanisms that they have been abused by. Trained deprogrammers like Hassan work to empower the individual to be their own person, to think critically, to evaluate and exercise and test their free will. They learn to listen to their inner voice rather than the instructions of an authority figure. So let's return back to this place that is definitely unequivocally not a cult. (laughs) I think one of the reasons people worry upon encountering our faith tradition is that it sounds so harmless to start sounds nice and welcoming. Everyone is welcome, we say, no matter who you do this or whether you're that. But often, of course, cults are the same way. They use language like that, too. The Church of Latter-day Saints calls it milk before meat. Give people things they can enjoy and easily digest. And then once they're in, give them the deeper, truer, harder-to-digest stuff. Then they'll be able to handle it. Give them community, friendship, love at first. We can all digest that. Give them the other stuff later, once they're in. So I can assure you of a couple of things about that here. First, what you see is what you get. There is nothing held back from you, no surprises waiting for you that will make you think, oh no, what have I done? We strive for transparency and openness. Members vote on the money. They select and dismiss clergy. They choose board members to represent them. Even our bylaws are on the website. These are checks and balances on power. The board and the senior minister, the nominating committee, the finance committee, the search teams who work with staff to hire people. No one person No guru controls everything. The ministers, the closest thing you might have to someone who looks like a guru, we come and go. Unitarian Universalist ministers typically serve six to eight years at a congregation. And here at Fourth Universalist, the congregation has had no trouble in the past pushing ministers out that they don't like. It has happened again and again. That is something that would not happen with a guru or some authoritarian leader who could control everything about everyone who was there. And you should know that always you are expected and encouraged to think critically about what is said from here, from any worship leader. No one expects the words that I say or anyone says to be the word of God. We're inviting you into a conversation to reflect together. Even beyond these very practical things, bylaws on websites, ministers who are shown the door, I think what matters most is what we actually value here. Many of us at Fourth Universalists, and as Unitarian Universalists in general, are here because we've actually left religious traditions that are controlling and manipulative and pressure us to be things that we don't want to be. Many of us a little like former cult members, are recovering from religious experiences that have really harmed us. It's a faith that emphasizes a lot of the same qualities that the deprogrammers emphasize for the people who are leaving cults. Free will, sense of self. Where are you on your spiritual journey and how can we help you on that? To trust your inner voice. That's no coincidence that those have that in common. So we strive here to be an actively free faith, explicitly democratic, non-authoritarian, all about encouraging self-discovery and our unique spiritual path. We are here not because we seek one truth, but because we love growing together in a pluralistic tradition. We don't come here to learn from a guru, but to come to have an experience of reflection and thoughtfulness and love and community and belonging led by a team of leaders and often by each other. We are here not because we need the answer but because we love the questions this is what unitarian universalism is devoted to empowering people who yearn to be their truest and freest self it's not about control or growth or money or numbers on the membership roll or secrets or surprises that come at you like meat it is just about the surprise joy that comes from a community and committing to a group of people trying to do well in the world for themselves and those they love. This is who we are. Freely gathered, diverse backgrounds and beliefs, united by justice and love. No tricks, no manipulation, no scary surprises, not. A cult, unequivocally absolutely without a doubt put your mind at ease just not too much at ease no matter what stephen colbert might suggest may it be so and amen
1: hi and welcome to a special edition of getting the message our time where we dive a little bit deeper into the service themes of a given sunday we have a special setup today. We're both on one screen. Exciting. Believe it or not, we can be in the same room. (laughs) Would you like to explain why exactly we're both in the same room?
0: Usually we film this uh, before service on Sunday uh, and I'm in my office, which is right next door, and Ember is here in in her office. But my office right now is getting a floor redone. So there is no place to sit and it's covered in plastic. So um, we have, moved in together into sharing an office uh, for a week or so until that's done. And uh,
1: so we get to do this in uh, um, here together. I mean, and it's it's just a season of a lot of construction projects going on at 4th. It it feels kind of exciting to see all of this this newness to the building, whether the kitchen work that's coming, mm-hmm. your office, a new chandelier.
0: The new chandelier, the kitchen's getting totally remodeled. My office is getting a new floor. The, the whole northern second level is getting gutted and remodeled, including the corner office. The Llam. ramp paperwork just came through. The lighting in the sanctuary is installed today with more to come. The chandelier. Did I say that already? Probably. He, um, he really likes the I chandelier. I really like the chandelier. It's very cool. And there will be more lighting in the in the narthex area, the hallway. Uh, I'm sure that there's more because it's
1: just an endless list of things. That is that, it's exciting stuff. It's it exciting is. to see all this, which fits the vibe of today's service, which is new member Sunday
0: welcoming new members yeah we've got a a, about a dozen or so new folks joining the congregation
1: which is amazing and they're a really lovely group of people it's 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 always an exciting Sunday to last year this time it was me and my family joining on new member Sunday
0: yeah that's right that's right and you're still here you have have not regretted
1: it (laughs) I have have in fact not regretted it this is true (laughs) and but it's just it's fun and it's exciting and it's great to see these people who have like a lot of them that we've gotten to know over the past few months getting to officially join us as a community and it it's really just a great time to think about community and think about what it means to belong together to exist together to care for each other it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing
0: it is it's wonderful to have people come here and have the experience of finding a home finding that they belong and and just having another space in their life where they, they, you know, really feel like they can resonate in. Right. Um, Cause I think it's, it's kind of rare to to go out into the world and be like, Oh, this is some place that I'm not going to just try out, but actually really commit to. Mm-hmm. And so many of our new members commit, you know, after a while, it's not just like joining a gym. You you join and then you realize you don't come for, you know, you don't end up going, right. These people have been coming and making this part of their life. So it's very exciting and they're, and they're really a great group. Um, and uh, yeah, they're,
1: you know i think it's one of the interesting things about doing ministry work that i don't know that it really gets old is like that that feeling of like you know you put in the prep work you do the stuff you 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 work on these things and then you see people find this meaning find uh, like community in it and that's always you know we we're, we're the shepherds you know preparing
0: <laughs> well there's always something new and there's always new folks who come into the doors and so there's always another story to learn another right? story to tell um and there's always the chance for growth, um, personally and also as a community. And I think each new person who comes in offers right. a possibility for something new and different um, to add their unique personhood to the community that already exists. And and you never know how it's going to manifest until that they they get here. And so that's that's it's a very neat thing, right? Each person who comes in affects. I mean, even just as people, right? That affects our lives, right? They 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 change the way that our lives are. Um, you know, if someone volunteers for religious education right that that changes your life if someone's a new family joins it changes your life because you get to know them and and they become part of your world
1: it's really great um
0: and so it is sort of a special thing and i think you expand that to the whole community right that's something that uh, for all
1: of us to get to know yeah 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 no definitely and you say unique which makes me think of uus which makes me think of the topic of today's reflection <laughs> see that was a smooth those things there. should not
0: come together
1: you know you know that there's probably some some uu church that has like you unique yep. it's like oh, some yeah. sort of acronym
0: any you you can find there's a uu <laughs> version of that someplace
1: see so i don't think it's that much of a reach has, as long as it has a you in it, it works.
0: no i was i was struggling with the connection between UU stuff and the topic of the service today. Uh, okay, and trying
1: to make the argument that uh, in fact, Ember, they're very different. Well, but part of it is that we're talking about why UU is not a cult. Uh, what? So why why this message?
0: Well, because um, often new folks who come to the congregation um, have family and friends, and and maybe wonder a little bit themselves too about like what is Unitarian Universalism, and I think anyone who is new or learning about a loved one's involvement in a new group. Uh, particularly a religious one uh, has a little bit of concern about it especially if it's not sort of a mainstream right we're not presbyterians we're not a catholic like people know what those are most people don't know what unitarian universalists are a universalist society sounds like it could be cultish <laughs> um the unification church as i talk about right like that is it's called that exists um and uh and so i think people are sort of just justly concerned or at least skeptical or like curious at the very least about like what this is um and so uh, uh, it's something I've been thinking about I've always been interested in cults uh, and the way that they manipulate people religiously or otherwise um uh and I think it's it's it was it was a chance for me to play with um not only learn more about cults specifically but also to play with like what is what do we believe in relationship to that and like why what are sort of the actively anti-cult qualities and 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 decisions that we make as a community and a faith tradition that that uh, make it very clear that where we are not uh we don't not only are we not a cult but we don't engage in cultic behaviors either because i think that's crucial right you can be a you can be not a cult but still employ cultic behaviors and many do
1: many do right so um yeah i'm resisting the seminarian urge to like discuss how our modern day use of cult with like the the idea of pagan cults in Rome, yep, but you yep. know that, that's a, that's a whole other message. Yeah,
0: well, I, and I thought about like you know, and I think with sermons, sermons are and reflections are like they're a little they're a little snapshots, right, of a larger. You know, you could have a whole we could have a whole class amber but you and I about like cults and like what cults mean and right. the origins of cults and the perception of cults and and you know, I had actually had written like a little like paragraph about like now by cults we don't mean like pagan cults or like Greek cults of like you know the wor- worship Dionysus and you know. 500 BC, but um, but that felt for me in that moment like a distraction from what I was actually trying to say. Um, cultic experts talk about the distinction between sort of those kind of cults and what they term destructive cults um, as, and I use that language a little bit um, without really defining it. But destructive cults is something that um, separate from like the cult of Dionysus, which was. Which is not a cult in the way that we understand it. It's not about manipulating people. It's more of like a, an affiliation um, or an orientation that one has uh, towards a particular, you know, god in, in the Apotheistic
1: tradition. So, yeah. Well, we shall we shall prepare for a future uh, reflection or class coming from me about <laughs> yeah. the cult, the pagan cult perspective on. Rome's adoption of Christianity in the real, there's a future message topic.
0: <laughs> there's a good, great literature about about um, about all of that. Um, there's a wonderful book about the last pagan generation um, that looks at like what they were thinking and doing before the Christians took over. Uh, you could go on a lot about
1: this. It was completely it is unintentional that yeah. I started a YouTube video about this like late last night. Uh, yeah. So it just, it felt relevant. Um, but I, as someone who grew up Evangelical, there was like, a, there was a sense of, as I moved towards UUism, of like, like when I when I was young, I would have been like, oh, that's like, that's heresy, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, like, why do they even meet if they don't love Jesus, and why, do, you know, like, <laughs> there there was a little baggage that I had to overcome and like letting go of yeah. that and and becoming a, a UU um, DRE, but also just a member of a congregation.
0: Well, I think that's a crucial point too, right? Like cult in many ways in our society, particularly among more conservative folks, right? Like cult is just just slang for bad, right? And wrong yeah. and like heretical. Um, and in that way, like I said in my sermon, like that, exactly. we are a cult if we're not- if, You heard it here. If, yeah, just take that little <laughs> quote, put it online and- uh, um, We'll put that one on a TikTok. Yeah, we are, no. Um, we are not a traditional religion uh, in the sense that we are not a Christian religion. Uh, we come have origins in Christianity. Uh, we do not explicitly have a creed that um, articulates more mainstream Christian theology. Um, so if that's your definition of cult, then sure. Okay. But then that also means that you know Islam is a cult and Judaism is a cult. Um, we're we're a little bit different than them in that we don't have you know millennia of tradition behind us, but we have centuries of tradition behind us. Right.
1: Forget that.
0: Um yeah, just give us another thousand years, we'll be there. But you know, we have origins, and particularly the, the innate theological, I don't of unitarian universalism, have their origins back to early Christianity. They were there were Christians who believed in the unity of God and rejected the Trinity, and there were Christians who believed in universal salvation back from the or- the beginning of it all. Their ideas didn't win out back then. But um
1: another interesting course and or sermon. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There we go. What could have been? <laughs> There, look at we already got a name for it yeah skylar thanks for sitting down with me today for our special edition
0: yeah thank you ember for hosting me in your office here both right now but also for the week and uh, uh we'll see you all uh soon i hope <laughs>